Of our five senses, there's one that can slowly slip away over time before we know it. It's often neglected and it just happens to be one you're using right now. I'm Callie Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. Our ability to hear is something that we often take for granted. Loud music in the car, a podcast at full volume, hopefully keep yourself well, on the treadmill, in your earbuds, maybe a concert, maybe working around heavy machinery at work. It all plays a role in your current and long-term hearing health. My guest today is not new to the world of audiology, but she is new to the world of business ownership. Kaylin Ferguson is an audiologist and speech language pathologist based in Saskatchewan, and she's also now an entrepreneur opening her own clinical practice in Warman, just outside of Saskatoon. Hi, Kaylin. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you're so welcome. I think it's a favor to me because you officially opened a brick and mortar business as of Monday. As of Monday, yeah, we open our doors on the 15th, which is kind of crazy. It's still sinking in. <laughs> Congratulations. And I was like, you know what you should do with all of the free time you don't have? Record a podcast with me, please. <laughs> I mean, why not? Oh, <laughs> uh, Well, it's exciting timing. We'll let the world know uh, all about your business. But first, I want to know, well, this will be interesting because in a few weeks after having run this business, you may answer this question differently. But for... Now, how do you keep yourself well? Uh, I love that question. That can be a challenging one for sure. Um, For me, it's movement. It has to happen every single day. Um, I'm a spin instructor as well. So I definitely love to lead a room full of people through a workout. Um, However, those in the fitness industry or those who teach fitness classes also know how important it is to make time for yourself and carve out that specific workout for yourself. So that doesn't always look the same for me. It's not always spin. Um, This year, I actually joined the Pedal Wenches, which is the outdoor cycling, road biking women's group in the city. So I just try and be mindful to really carve out time for myself, um, whatever that really looks like. But usually I try to make it movement, even if it's like a walk around the block, taking the dog out. I would say movement is how I stay well. Good for you. Also, I debated joining the pedal wenches. I wish I would. <laughs> it is so much fun. The name kills me every time. Um, I don't have a bike, but this was like I wanted to get into like triathlons and I'm like don't know where to start and everyone has recommended. So, okay, maybe next season I'll join you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I feel like something that you were kind of alluding to is almost like Obviously, when you're teaching spin, you get your own movement, but do you feel like you need also your own workout where you're not leading on top of that? I do feel that way. I mean, it depends, honestly, what the day is like that changes day to day for me. Um, But as you know, a spin class or a fitness class is not about the instructor or it shouldn't be. It should be about the people showing up in the space and creating that space and that experience for them. So I always want to be mindful of that. And I never... You know, during this process of opening a business, I've tried to be really mindful not to dump, I guess, my emotional baggage on the people in front of me. And I think some days that was a little bit of a challenge, but I'm so grateful to have a loyal group of people who show up for me in the mornings daily. And I think they've kind of liked to see the messy side of me in a sense, you know, on the days where maybe I didn't feel like showing up or I tried to call my sister to sub for me or whatever that looked like. So it's been an experience, but for sure, I think as instructors, we need to carve out that extra time. Yeah. Well, and I think it, as a leader, you know, you're a leader in the wellness sphere. It's refreshing for people to see the transparent side of life is not perfect. Life is overwhelming. You've got, you know, this whole new, you know, offshoot of your life happening, but you're still showing up for movement and for wellness, which is, it is, I think it's the foundation. So I love that you make that time and give yourself grace too, where it doesn't have to be template specific. It can be taking the dog out, especially when the weather's so beautiful. Yeah. And you really 
lean into community, obviously, with your mm-hmm. movement as well between mm-hmm. spin. I I am not a regular spin goer, but I've been and obviously I love it. And many of my clients go and the community is so strong, um, mm-hmm. which I think if you've never done spin, you would overlook because, yeah, mm-hmm. you're in a room full of people, but, you know, like it's independent. It's not a team sport or something. But you feel the energy in that room. And I can imagine with the bike group as well, it would be very similar. Yeah, absolutely. I think community is a big aspect of Red YXC. And I think sometimes exactly as you mentioned, it gets kind of looked over. And I think sometimes people show up to the community for the first time, not expecting to really talk to the person beside them or really even interact with them. But I'm very mindful of making sure I know every single person's name in the room and just making those connections. It's actually crazy. So right now, Ride YXC is doing a 45 and 60 challenge. So this is an annual challenge that we do. Um, So what it is, is 45 rides in 60 days. So for a lot of people to try and carve out that amount of classes, that volume, in a relatively short amount of time, especially when the weather's beautiful, people might be training for the half marathon, the full marathon coming up here at the end of May. I think it's really hard for people to do that and to really carve out the time. And I think it's very easy as the weather gets nice to just say, oh, well, I don't need to go or I'm just going to take it outside today. But sometimes we know that that doesn't always happen. Um, That's why I love the morning so much. And for me, it's like wake up and move immediately because you never know what your day is going to throw you. And I sometimes think by the end of the day, it can be easy after a stressful day just to shelf it and say, oh, well, tomorrow's a new day. But if you continuously do that, as you know, that can create some pretty poor habits. And um, what I love about this challenge that we're doing right now is it is creating that community component where riders are reaching out to one another and they're like, hey, do you want to go to class tonight? Do you want to go tomorrow? And it's honestly inspiring because it's all different walks of life doing the challenge and just seeing new riders show up. It's like Dave, for example, you know, he's in his 50s and he's like, I love this. I'm trying something new for the first time. And it's just crazy to see these relationships kind of form in front of your eyes or people going to city perks for a coffee after it's just really inspiring yeah well I think you know I guess jujitsu would be my version of that mm-hmm. where you end up meeting and becoming friends with people you really wouldn't wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet otherwise you know like you were yeah every age walk of life and fitness level too like I really think spin is accessible for so many people. And I love you like high five everyone beside you on the way out. So good for you. And uh, I think that takes such a special person to lead a room like that. And also the cardio you need to be on that bike and talking the whole time is phenomenal. So amazing. So how many days a week do you instruct ride? So now I'm down to three days a week, which has been a really good balance for me. I think a lot of people thought with the business here with the clinic that I would totally pull back. But for me, this has been a part of my life for six, seven years. I feel like if I totally went through this transition and pulled right back, I think that honestly would be the worst thing for me. So I am three days a week and I'll I'll continue to be three days a week here through the summer. And I want to be able to help my team out. So I want to be able to pick up classes when I can and everyone's so supportive on our team. Um, So I know if I ever have a rough week or I have to, you know, give up a class, it's totally doable. But I don't want, I want to keep those good habits in place because I know how important they are to my physical health but also mental health as we hit the summer like weather finally hallelujah your hydration is more important now than ever because the hotter it is the more we sweat and the more we sweat the more we need to replenish our electrolytes there's a reason your sweat literally tastes salty it's because you're losing sodium and your body actually needs sodium to function optimally alongside a myriad of other electrolytes salt is good for you and as i always say stop blaming salt for what sugar did i will say i truly believe i've tried almost every electrolyte option on the market at this point at least 90 percent of them and i can say with confidence that element does it best with ratio and taste each packet of element contains a thousand milligrams of sodium 200 milligrams of potassium 60 milligrams of magnesium and is sweetened with stevia so it is sugar free These ratios are based on and backed by the latest scientific literature, and they are truly designed for optimal physiological function. 
Not to mention, did I mention that they taste it great? Whether you're a high performance athlete or just sweating it out on a daily walk to hit your step count, Element will help you reach a baseline of four to six grams of daily sodium for optimal health. And there are some great flavors that are perfect for summer mocktails or cocktails, including a limited edition grapefruit flavor that is just released for summer. Want to try it for yourself? Head to my website, kywellness.ca and click on the element link under products to get yourself a free sample pack with any purchase and let's get salty. Yeah. I love that you use habits because that is the key. And I mean, it fills that bucket for you, right? That community totally. bucket and the fitness bucket. So that said, let's talk about your new path. So your career is in audiology mm-hmm. and speech pathology. And so what inspired you to take that path? Did you always know that was something you were interested in? How did you get there? Because I believe speech pathology, you have to leave. Mm-hmm. I like the, is there one school in Canada, but most people end up going to the States? Yeah, that's exactly right. So for me, I guess back in, I'm just trying to get the timeline here in 20, uh, 2008, I guess I graduated high school and right away I knew or thought I knew I wanted to be a speech language pathologist. And kind of the way that that happens is you need an undergraduate degree first, and then you go into your master's of speech path. So at the U of S they don't have a program. And I knew that. And I really wanted to go to Minot State right away. And it was my dad who was like, listen, we support you, whatever you want to do, but we need to like, make sure that this is for you. Like, you know, you need to take some classes, get some, you know, university under your belt first, and then make that decision. So I started at the U of S in linguistics. And to be honest, I absolutely hated it because linguistics and speech pathology are two totally different worlds. And after, I guess it would have been a year and a half of linguistics, I was like, no, I need to move to Minot State where the undergraduate there is called communication disorders. So that's typically the pathway that people will take. So they'll get a Bachelor of Communication Disorders. And the reason why a lot of people go to Minot State is because they actually have clinical experience in your undergraduate degree. So we got to see patients in our final year, which was amazing. Um, Clients, speech clients, speech or language, and we were assigned a supervisor. And so we got that hands-on experience. So that's really what inspired me to go to Minot State. And so I ended up going there. But of course, if you're familiar, university credits do not transfer well. So my original plan was to go there for two years to finish up my bachelor's. And I had to actually go for three years, which was fine, just the way that the credits worked out. And it was in my final year, I think, when we took speech and hearing science and all my classmates hated this class and I loved it. I loved the professor. I loved the science behind it. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I an audiology girl? Because if you're in our industry, there's like only a couple. So every cohort will have like one or two. And I was like, am I the audiology girl? No, couldn't be. So I actually applied to speech language pathology at Minot State. And I did apply to audiology um, at UWO in Ontario and also South Dakota. But the issue around graduate school in the U.S., especially with audiology, the class sizes are like four or five people typically. So I knew that my chances were really, you know, stretched. And also the difference was audiology in the U.S. is a four-year doctorate. It's a two-year master's in Canada. And to practice as an audiologist in Canada, you only do need your master's degree. So I was pretty confident with my grades. I had one B, so my GPA was like a 3.9. I was like, oh, I'm going to have no problem. And then I actually got waitlisted at UWO and I was like devastated. So my now husband, boyfriend at the time, and I were looking at places to move in Ontario. That's how confident I was. And I remember calling them being like, how likely is it that I'm going to get off this wait list? And they're like, well, you're at the top. It's pretty likely. So I had kind of this like false hope. But with my not state, how it worked is I did get into speech pathology as well. But I also had a scholarship for speech path. So I was like, oh, gosh, now I'm faced with this dilemma. Do I do speech path, the original plan, or do I kind of go on this whim and do audiology? And my mom said, well, if you did speech, would you want to go back to do audiology? And I said, absolutely. And she said, okay, if you did audiology, would you go back to do speech? I said, probably not. And she's like, well, well, there's your answer. 
So what ended up happening was I was waitlisted both at South Dakota and at UWO for audiology. I ended up declining my scholarship for speech pathology and all my friends were getting into grad schools all over the U.S. And I was kind of like this lone wolf. I just wasn't accepted at this time, still sitting on this wait list. Um, my husband decided to move to Saskatoon with me, lived in this really crappy apartment. I was like, I don't even care. This is short term. It's going to be fine. I was serving at the time. And I remember being like, I'm going to get the call to be accepted to audiology. And late August came and I never got the call. And I was like, okay. So in that interim time, I was really, really scared that this could happen. So being me, I always have a backup plan. So when we graduated in May of that year, it would have been 2013, I actually started my master's of deaf and hard of hearing education, which was kind of like a different direction, but I really did want to work with people with hearing loss. And I knew that, but that was more education-based. So I started that in May, 2013, was in summer classes online in Saskatoon, did not get accepted to audiology, did not get off that wait list. So what did I do for that next semester? I just worked. So I served, I worked as an educational assistant. I just tried to hustle as much as I could while still being in this program that I knew wasn't my end goal, but I just didn't want to be done school yet. So it was actually a mentor of mine in Saskatchewan here who recommended that I apply to the University of Auckland in New Zealand. And she's like, have you ever thought about moving across the world? Like the benefit would be that you wouldn't have to wait another year to apply. The semesters are different. So she's like, you'd be starting in February. Wow. And I'm like, I never really thought of that. So I ended up applying just to see what happens. And sure enough, I had an interview in December and that they told me, oh, you'll find out in like two or three weeks. And we actually found out the next day I got accepted oh my and God. we had to move in four weeks. So we had to sell everything. Garrett quit his job, sold the vehicles, moved to New Zealand oh so I could do my master of audiology. So in the beginning, I thought I could handle both programs, which as you know, you know, <laughs> that was a horrible idea. <laughs> So we're trying. If anyone could have done it, it would be you. I was like, I can handle both. It'll be fine. And then it was like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? So my professor, it was through Minot State as well. She let me kind of put the program on hold for deaf and hard of hearing education. And so I did finish my master of audiology. We ended up moving back to Saskatchewan and I started working as an audiologist right away. And that was in 2016, I guess. And I've been here ever since I did finish my master of deaf and hard of hearing education. And then, as you know, I'm just finishing my clinical doctorate right now. So I will be done that literally in a month, which is amazing. What a rock star. So double masters. Yeah. And soon to be a PhD. AUD. So it's a clinical oh. doctorate. Yeah. So that was another big decision for me. Like, do I go the research route, like solely research PhD? which it would be really tempting to do it through the University of Auckland because they have such an amazing PhD program. I try and tell everyone about it because they really treat their students amazing. There's such a nice research budget there that I know a lot of universities don't have. Like I hear of people doing research, you know, in Canada where maybe they don't have that budget, but they did for us and they do for PhD students. So I always tell anyone who's exploring that route, I'm like, if you're willing or at a time in your life where you could make that happen, like check out Auckland, New Zealand for sure. All right. I mean, look, I'm thinking yeah. about doing a PhD one day. Are you <laughs> well, good for you. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. tell us the difference between, mm -hmm. I know obviously they're very different, but what is like mm -hmm. audiology versus speech pathology how are they different and where do they overlap? Because obviously mm -hmm. they work together as well. Yeah. So speech language pathology would be obviously the study of speech and language disorders and anything surrounding that. So um, there's a big umbrella. There's voice, there's swallowing, um, you know, there's so many, I, I feel like I'm not doing it justice for my speeches out there. Um, audiology is definitely the study of, of hearing, but also balance. So, you know, we're able to not only do, does an individual have hearing loss, we can diagnose hearing loss, but also work with balance disorders, um, management of those disorders, 
um, working with central auditory processing disorder, individuals who have ringing or buzzing in the ears. And then of course there's that overlap there because as you probably know, you know, a lot of times when I think a lot of people think speech language pathology is only pediatrics and that's not the case at all. It's, it is for all ages. Of course, you know, if someone were to acquire brain injury or something like that, speech paths are there, um, swallowing. So both of us, definitely audiologists and speech language pathologists, we deal with all ages. That's the beauty of it. Um, but there's that overlap there because obviously before, especially with the pediatric population, before they would start any therapy or intervention, they want to rule out any hearing loss. Because as you know, language ac acquisition has to happen um, with having access to those sounds. And if the individual doesn't have hearing or there's a loss of hearing, then that needs to be addressed first. So that's where our overlap, I guess, kind of happens a little bit. And the referral pathways kind of go back and forth that way. Um, but yeah, it's just like such a great, profession and anyone who's thinking about it, I couldn't recommend it enough, but it is one of those professions where if you are in Saskatchewan, you do have to, you have to branch out elsewhere. Yeah. Okay. So random. Do you know Mandy Sando? Did you know her through Minot? She was, she's my cousin. And I feel like you guys okay. have been there at the same time, mm. but I, who knows how big the speech path program. Yeah. Is that her maiden name or married name? I always ask that now because sometimes maiden, when people yeah. get maiden name. Okay. Yeah. It is a big program. And sometimes what happens as well as, you know, when I started the communication disorders program, there was 66 of us on day one. And the professor said, look to your left and look to your right. She said, by your graduation, only half of you will be here. Oh my God, that's intimidating. It is intimidating, but you know what? It was the truth. I think our class graduated with 22. Wow. So it's very competitive. It's very strenuous undergraduate. People realize along the way that maybe it's not for them. We had a lot of people in our original original cohort go into education, psychology, nursing, kind of dip their toes in all these other aspects. Um, or they just realize like, I don't want to be a speech path or an audiologist. And if you really think about it, communication disorders as an undergrad is quite limiting. Those are kind of your two options to apply. So say if I did that undergraduate and I decided that both those professions weren't really for me, I would have had to take in a lot of other undergraduate classes in order to say apply to like dentistry, medicine. Right, right. Yeah. Are you ready to embrace the warmer months? I know I am, and so is Sweet and Sprouted, and they have got you covered. Their delicious, low-carb, sugar-free, and gluten-friendly options are perfect for all your outdoor socializing and barbecues. Their wide variety of sauces, snacks, treats, bevies, and daily groceries can be delivered right to your door hassle-free. Plus, for the entire month of May, enjoy 10% off your next order with the promo code WELLNESS10 and they also offer free shipping on most orders over $150. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Shop online and save on healthy and delicious sugar-free options. Visit sweetensprouted.com today and use the promo code wellness10 to start enjoying the flavors of the season guilt-free. I think you make a good point too. I actually recently did an episode on continuing education, which by all means, I don't think has to be post-secondary education. But reflecting on my little academic journey, I think yours is very similar. It's like, you know, you start in linguistics. Well, maybe that's not really for you. Mm -hmm. And then you recognize along the way through trial and error where your passion really lies. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes people so long to find their path. Like, I think it's the um, exception, not the rule to like nail it on the first go of where totally. you're really meant to be. And unfortunately, I feel like it leaves such a bad taste in someone's mouth about mm -hmm. you know, academia and continuing with post-secondary. So I am so thrilled that you pursued that path, which was obviously like you had that gut feeling right away. Yeah. That it was right for you. And you totally answered kind of an assumption that I had because I feel like on one end of the spectrum, speech pathology, I generally hear being with like young people. And then mm -hmm. on the other hand, audiology would generally be an older population, mm -hmm. right? But really there's that overlap. So unlike, you know, we have like yearly checkups with vision and, you know, dental and everything else. Do you recommend, is there like a regular checkup for hearing that we're supposed to be 
Yes, absolutely. I love that you brought that up because I think that's a bit of a hot topic in our industry. We believe or audiologists believe that annual hearing assessments should just be a no brainer. It honestly should be happening. And to be honest, it's not happening. Most people come to us or they go see their audiologist when they notice that there's been a change, when they feel like they have a problem, when there's usually been a sudden onset or maybe something a little bit more persistent or gradual. And I think maybe COVID has highlighted that a little bit. You know, these last few years have been a little bit murky for us. So when someone comes into the clinic and they present with a symptom and, you know, I'm like, well, how long have you been dealing with this? Sometimes the answer is like, well, I don't know, maybe a year, two years, seven years, like they just don't know. And I mean, the research has shown in the past that the average individual doesn't actually do anything about their hearing for anywhere from that five to seven years from noticing that there's a problem. No way. So I think because there's a lot of stigma around hearing devices, around amplification, things have changed so much in the industry, even, you know, I've only been practicing, I guess, seven years, but in seven years, I feel like it's totally just changed completely in terms of the products that are available, in terms of the size, in terms of Bluetooth connectivity and working with your cell phone. Like there's so many options. There's so many price points. And unfortunately in our industry, it can be a bit of a marketing nightmare because you, if you were to Google after our chat today, hearing aids, you will be bombarded with a ton of information and some of it's helpful and useful and other information unfortunately isn't. And I think that's just the internet in general. But yes, as an audiologist, we would definitely recommend at least having a baseline. And so especially with individuals who are working in noisy places, whether you're working in a loud environment or not, or some people will come to us saying, well, it's not that loud. It's like it's still very important to have that baseline so that if something does change, we can take a look and say, when did it change? Why did it change? That allows more information if we need to refer you to an ear, nose and throat specialist like a lot of people have never had their hearing tested, which is kind of crazy. I'm sitting here being like, maybe as a child, I don't recall. Yeah. It's like no idea. And I would assume it's covered by insurance. Yeah. So how it works in Saskatchewan is things are a little bit different. Like with our health card, you can't go into a private clinic and have full coverage for a hearing assessment. However, there are other third party paying providers um, that some individuals may, you know, qualify for. Um, but if you do have, you know, a private healthcare plan um, through your work or whatever, typically it would cover a hearing assessment. It's just that for a lot of people, that's not the front of mind for them. Like I said, hearing isn't one of those things that they want to investigate. They think, oh, I think I'm doing okay. But the issue is it can be a very gradual, slow process. And it is something that should be monitored. And, you know, you should think of your audiologist kind of in, in your healthcare professional wheelhouse. You know, you have your chiropractor, maybe or your or your dentist like we should be a part of that it it's crazy to me because if you think about it everyone goes to get their eyes checked annually you want to make sure your vision's good but hearing unfortunately falls by the wayside so yeah, yeah. I feel like I often hear about hearing issues very similar to vision where it's like oh I didn't realize I had a problem until I got glasses it's like yeah. oh I didn't realize how bad it was until I got you know, an mm -hmm. amplifier and like, oh my goodness now. And I didn't really realize the stigma, but I can imagine, and probably mm -hmm. a lot of misconceptions too, about what a device like now can look like, because I think they can be so subtle, I'm sure. Um, but just the quality of life that's sacrificed when you're not hearing or you're straining for conversations or, you know, pretending to hear something when you <laughs> really didn't. Also, I don't know how I ended up on this realm of TikTok. But one day I like randomly ended up in a rabbit hole of like cochlear implants mm -hmm. and uh, this, you know, uh, someone who was born with no hearing at all was saying like calls them his ears and he was showing the progression from like when he was a baby to now how much his devices have changed. And it's mm -hmm. crazy, like absolutely it is. crazy. Yeah. And I feel like now there is a lot more awareness out there with our industry and we're slowly getting there. Um, I feel like, you know, for me, because I studied in New Zealand, it was a very progressive place to practice. 
in terms of what funding was available, in terms of the coverage that was available, in terms of the process of how it would go for an individual who needed a referral to an ear specialist. It was just a totally different world. So for me coming back to Saskatchewan, it was a little bit eye-opening in the beginning. I'm like, oh, this is how it, it this how we do things here now. It was a little bit of a learning curve for me, um, just because I was used to kind of more of that seamless approach. It doesn't mean that we're not getting there. Even within the last seven years, you know, we've seen improvements in the province for sure. And I think with even more time, we'll get there. And, you know, neighboring provinces have started to implement some funding. So, you know, Manitoba just did this year and we can hope that Saskatchewan will in the future. Um, it's something that all the audiologists would love to see because it benefits, you know, patients, but also families. And there's a big cognitive piece that goes with hearing. Essentially, your ears are literally just tunnels up to your brain that does the processing. So there's a lot around, you know, cognition and making sure that we're utilizing those pathways um, by amplifying, essentially. So there's a lot of education within our field. And I think that's my favorite part of my job is just allowing people to feel empowered and really be advocates for their hearing and understand the process. You know, I don't just want someone to walk into my clinic and feel like they're leaving with a hearing device without understanding why or what that looks like. And, you know, our treatment plan and how we go about managing hearing loss is so much more than just a device. There's a lot of auditory training that has to happen and a lot of support and and, you know, a collaborative approach for sure, opposed to being like, here's your hearing aid. Okay, bye. Um, and we never want our patients to feel that way ever. I don't think anyone who's in our industry as an audiologist wants our patients to ever feel that way. Yeah, well, I can imagine there's a big mental health component, too. And I mean, even coming from my psych background, we learned all about the inner ear. I remember <laughs> hammer anvil stirrup. It's drilled into my head. That's about all I remember, but it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, you know, so yeah, like, obviously, I was introduced to that connection. So talking about the education side, because I know nothing about mm -hmm. auditory health, what do you think, like, uh, the, the general person doesn't know or doesn't real, realize about their hearing health? Like, is there a gen some general tips that you can give us along with ways that we're like damaging our hearing and don't realize it? Like, I know for sure, my headphones gave me a warning yesterday little mm -hmm. things like that, that we can be aware of? Yeah, I think in general terms, of course, I never want to give any direct audiology advice over a podcast, but I think definitely protecting your hearing for sure. I know even, for example, Ride YXC, we give hearing protection to any of our members who want it. It's there every single class. I encourage people to use it. Um, I have measured the levels in there. So we are very cognizant of that and doing that frequently. Um, and Shana and Brady, the owners of Ride, they're very great that way. Another thing you could do, or I like to, you know, suggest is wear hearing protection that's comfortable. So if it means maybe investing in some custom hearing protection, hearing protection that's going to feel good to you, you're more likely to wear it. But another good tip I have is, you know, buy a generic, you know, good pair of earmuffs essentially and put them on the lawn mower so whoever in the household is going to mow the lawn the hearing protection is right there then there's no excuse so there's ways to make it easier and more accessible for yourself and you know for example even this isn't so much um, I guess, hearing protection related, but even in terms of comfort, like a lot of people will wear, will wear earbuds, but you can actually get like the custom ends on them. So if you're running, your earbuds aren't falling out. Um, so just little tips like that. Um, but in terms of your brain health and hearing, um, if you do have a hearing loss and you're apprehensive of trialing hearing aids, I always encourage people just to try to hear the difference. There's, you know, within our industry, you hear a lot of, well, you're going to, if you don't use it, you lose it. So auditory deprivation. So if we're depriving the brain of that auditory stimulation, then essentially those neurons go off and do another job. So we really want to keep the brain active and and hearing aids is a great way to do that. Um, but like I said, you need to implement great communication strategies as well. So even individuals who wear hearing aids, they will tell you that we all utilize lip reading, whether you have hearing loss or normal hearing. It's important that you face the person that you're speaking to, you make eye contact, 
good lighting, being within a reasonable distance. I tell couples a lot of the time, you know, if one's making dinner, don't talk into the refrigerator. There's all these little tips that we can try and do just to make it better. And even like my husband and I, I will not answer him if he's in another room and he'll try and say something. I'm just like, oh, just wait a minute until we're in the same room. And I try and be mindful and practice that now because it can be very frustrating, especially for individuals with hearing loss, you know? So, yeah. So, okay, you said, you know, kind of the, if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm -hmm. Can you like regain and improve hearing if you've lost it or is it dependent then on like an external resource? So in the cochlea, there's all these little hair cells and there's different types of hearing loss. So I would say the most common hearing loss is sensory neural, meaning that those hair cells essentially have died off or they're, they've been damaged. Right now, there's no way to regenerate those hair cells. So, you know, in terms of what we mean by use it or lose it, some people philosophy would be the earlier you do amplify, okay, or be fit with hearing aids if there's hearing loss, the better you are going to be at processing that sound over time. Okay. And not only that, but I think if you think about as we age, there are so many other considerations that happen. Um, your dexterity is a, a consideration, your vision's a consideration when wearing hearing aids. So we need to look at the person as a whole. But the younger someone is when they intervene, the more likely that some of those other modalities are going to be intact to make it easier for them. So yeah, sometimes people come to us, you know, when, and they're ready now for hearing aids at 101 years old, but unfortunately their dexterity is quite poor. They can't lift their hand up to get the device on. There can be some of these other challenges. Right. And then sometimes we see people get hearing aids at age 65 and they're able to kind of move and get that kind of muscle memory because essentially that's what it becomes putting that device on every single day. And it becomes a part of you. You should be wearing your device every day, just like you would your glasses. So right. yeah. Well, again, talk about habits, like the habit of yes. getting up and putting it on, just like brushing mm -hmm. your teeth after a hundred years of not practicing that habit it's yeah. probably a lot harder to implement or even cognitively your memory is yeah. not there and other things do you find when someone maybe not beyond a certain age but when one sense goes like mm -hmm. here for example mm -hmm. other senses do heighten or is that a myth or something that is immeasurable. I mean, I mean, there's, I think, research to support both. I feel like nowadays, too, you can pretty well find research to support any view that you would have. Um, but, you know, we do know that individuals who say have hearing loss, there's a lot of frustration that comes with that. So sometimes that frustration leads to social isolation, leads to you not wanting to go to the event with your family because you're just so darn frustrated with everything. Um, so what starts to happen is you start to pull away from those social interactions. And, you know, that essentially, if you think about it, connection is what keeps us young and thriving and active and well. And if you start to isolate yourself from all of that, there's a whole other plethora of effects that come with that as well. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, one sense heightening versus another, I guess hard to say, like I said, if you looked it up, the research would probably show that's a bunch of baloney or yeah, there yeah. is some research to that. Um, some validity there. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to see, you know, hearing loss is very much a personal thing. It's everyone, we could have two hearing losses very similar, with two very different philosophies on how they deal with manage how they perceive that hearing loss. There's so many factors. And that's why it's very important that we treat each patient as an individual. Yeah. Well, and just even thinking, you know, personally, if you worked in music or you worked in communications and start to lose, but something that came to mind is how COVID would have likely had even the potential for a greater impact on someone with hearing loss mm -hmm. with wearing masks because mm -hmm. of lying on lip reading. My, yeah. I'm sure he doesn't listen to this. My mom can tell him my dad used to shoot mm -hmm. guns. Like he was mm -hmm. a gunsmith. And so he's pretty much he's deaf in one year and doesn't wear his hearing aid ever so maybe I should send this to him and uh, he was talking about how during COVID like he was uh in like a social setting and everyone was wearing masks and he was so frustrated because he couldn't mm -hmm. read lips and I think it was probably eye-opening for him as well as how much he relied on actually seeing someone's 
um, mouth, but between the distance, because, you know, if someone's close on his good side, you know, he can hear mm-hmm. that fine. Um, but between the distance, social distancing, and then the masks, it was a totally different experience for him during that time. So I can imagine how isolating that would be for someone who's struggling with their hearing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, during COVID, especially we did have more and more people coming in reporting hearing loss, Mm -hmm. but, you know, with social distancing, with those plastic barriers that we had with wearing the masks, that was a very challenging thing. So, I mean, during the height, you know, during the middle of the pandemic there, the height of everything, we were able to get masks that did have a clear cutout in them. And so we would wear those for our patients to at least so that they could lip read through the mask. So it's, we had to get creative, um, but it really did identify for a lot of people, you know, that they do rely on lip reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A good adaptation. So what drew you to choosing the route of entrepreneurship and running your own practice and clinic versus just continuing to work how you had been professionally? Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, I think there comes a time in everyone's career where you start to obviously come a little bit more into your own regarding your philosophies and what feels good to you. And I think for me, you know, I was in a place where I just didn't really feel challenged, like if I'm being honest. And it was, you know, a discussion I had had with my employer. It was like, I'm not feeling challenged here. I'm not really feeling like supported in terms of my ideas or in, in supported in terms of maybe some best practices that I wanted to implement. I just felt it was like, well, this is the way that things are done. So this is how we're going to always do them. And for myself, I want to think of my work as a very rewarding, um, vibrant place where I want to be every single day. And it just started to not become that for me. You know, I love seeing my patients. They for sure were the highlight of my day. My coworkers in my direct clinic, I adored them. I worked very closely with a couple specialists. They were amazing, but I was also working for a big corporate company where some of the ideas were coming out of province. And so I also feel, you know, having a local, I love to support local and I know what Saskatchewan people want. And ultimately that comes down to great, not only great customer service, but being approachable, personal, taking the time for them. And I just felt the way that they wanted me to practice wasn't necessarily aligning with my professional standpoint. So, you know, my family, they've been saying this for years. They're like, I don't know, man, you're never going to be happy until you just go on your own. And this has been something that's come up, you know, for a few years now, but obviously, you know, an endeavor like this, it's, it's an expensive one and one that you have to kind of plan for. But, um, last, it was last August. It was actually my birthday. My best friend gave me this journal. I'm a journaler. I love to write things down. And she gave me this journal and on the front of it, it said, create something you wish existed. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like as cheesy as that sounds. I was just like, you know what? Now is the time. It's like, I've now verbalized, um, you know, to my company that I'm just not feeling supported and I'm not feeling challenged. And, you know, my husband and I, we almost actually moved provinces and I'm so glad we didn't. Um, But yeah, we wanted to be in Saskatchewan. And I just thought, what is the best way to make this happen on my own terms? And I wanted to be somewhere where I was needed and where there were no services. So before Worman Hearing Clinic opening up this week, there have not been any hearing or audiology services in Worman or Martin. So I really wanted to be somewhere where I felt there was a need, where I was filling a void and where I could be independent and on my own and run the practice as, you know, it connects with me personally and my morals. So that's kind of what led me to kind of going on my own. But But I think that's so great because it shows like the seed was planted and you had Mm. time to think about it and the journal was a little bit of a sign. So what has been the biggest surprise and the biggest challenge thus far? I know you're very new to actually Mm -hmm. running the clinic, but obviously you've been in the process of building this. And then how long ago did you leave your previous employer to be Mm -hmm. preparing this? 
Yeah, great question. So I did give my prior employer a two month notice. I wanted to be very transparent. They knew what my plans were. Um, I couldn't be transparent necessarily to the patients I was seeing at that time, which was one of the biggest challenges for me. But I really wanted to make sure that I finished things out really strong there. And I want to make sure that I concluded my role there and didn't leave any loose ends. And I guess what I kind of mean by that is I was working with two specialists and when their letters get sent out two months in advance, I want to make sure that their patients are being taken care of because they typically would see me before they would see the specialist. So I just wanted to make sure that was all great. And so I was done my role there on April 14th was my last day. So then I had basically kind of like a month in between. I guess one of the biggest challenges for me thus far is just depending on other people. Like I'm such a type A, want to get it done. I'm a go-getter. I'll pick up the phone and, and do it right away. But this process has very much been having to be really patient and having just to trust that other people are getting the list done that I need them to. And what I essentially mean by that is, you know, to open an audiology clinic, there's a license involved because we do fit and sell medical devices. And that process can take a little bit of time. And there are quite a few hoops that you have to jump through a big checklist in order to meet that criteria. You need um, Saskatchewan Health has to see the space and they have to grant you a license and everything. So it's not just it's not just opening a store in the sense, you know, there's a lot more behind the scenes that I think people are unaware of. And I knew that there was going to definitely be hoops to jump through. I just didn't realize that some of the frustrations that would come with that, you know, I was just like, did you finish this? Like, I felt like I was like hounding people and I hate to be that person, but I just wanted it to get done. But all in all, I was so, so pleased with Everyone who I worked with, my neighbors here are amazing. Like I, I'm in a building full of entrepreneurs. I love it so much. McCarty Construction did our build out. They did an amazing job. I couldn't recommend them enough. So overall, in terms of the actual like build out and stuff, I felt like that was smooth sailing. It was just some of those other pieces that I forever felt like I was like hounding people. Yeah. Well, because yeah. it's the like number one thing on your list and number mm -hmm. whatever on their list. Really? Right. Yeah. Oh, good for you. And I mean, I, I, first of all, I give such props to you because it's clear you're just operating with such integrity and wanting to leave your previous employer with such integrity, you know? Um, but something that really stands out to me is that you were drawn to come back to Saskatchewan. Like you've always gravitated mm -hmm to home. And I think that's really refreshing to hear because I think Saskatchewan often gets a bad rap. And I feel like for you to have been in New Zealand to, mm -hmm. I mean, that might not also not beautiful, but you know, New Zealand's a little bit more exotic and then yeah. to want to come home. What has continued to draw you and your husband to Saskatchewan? Yeah. So my husband is actually from Saskatchewan as well. Um, he's from a town called Vibing, so like southeast of Regina. And we actually met in Minot. He was playing hockey down there. And so we oh. met at Minot State, which is kind of fun. But um, both and of us- didn't know each other here? No, no, wow. no idea. Yeah. Yeah, we met in biology class. Good old intro biology. <laughs> but um, I think back to like what our- I guess what our vision for our life is, and we both love to travel so much. And so we, we really wanted to be around a, we want to be around family, but B, we want to be somewhere where it's affordable to live, where you can travel. And, you know, we did at one point consider staying in New Zealand long-term and Auckland is a very expensive city. And we just looked, what would that look like for us? Like how long would we have to work in Auckland before purchasing a home opposed to coming back to Saskatchewan, settling in, purchasing our first home. So there were some factors there for sure. But I think the thing that's honestly kept us in Saskatchewan is the lake. We love the lake. We um, have a cabin at Emma Lake and we love to escape there. It's been like the perfect getaway for us. It's two hours door to door. So it's super easy easy but I just think there's so much beauty in Saskatchewan that I think gets overlooked and you know yes our winters are a little miserable here but I think when you grow up in that type of you know 
climate, you adjust to it. But for us, I think the number one thing is family. We wanted to be near family. And I think that was the hardest part about being in New Zealand. We actually only came home one time. And that was when Garrett's sister got married. But otherwise, we just stayed over there because it was almost too hard to come back. We always felt like we were missing out. Oh, and I was going to say, yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes you almost more homesick, but mm -hmm. not only like expensive to come visit, yeah. plus a giant time change and adjustment mm -hmm. where you almost need to come for a few weeks for it to yeah. feel worth it. And yeah, uh, that's really beautiful. And I feel like this week with the smoke that we've been getting from mm -hmm. Alberta and up north, you know, I'm just continuously reminded, like, there are just things that we are lucky to not have to generally worry about in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some some wildfires but very rare that we are directly impacted yeah. by snakes and spiders in New yeah. Zealand I don't know if I could deal with it <laughs> I mean we're not bad like Australia like that's like the real bad like for sure but I mean yeah living by the ocean when you know the road that you drive all the time is completely washed out like that was scary for me I was like oh my gosh is our home gonna flood oh, wow. these little things um that you maybe don't think about but I I do feel lucky to be you know not only near our family but also our friends and our community here I feel like we've built a really good community here and I think you can't replicate that. Like we did look at moving to the island, moving to BC. And that was a very viable option for us about a year and a half ago. But to leave our communities, like I think that's just the hardest thing. It's like, do we really want to be starting from scratch again in our 30s? Like, not really. I kind of love it here, you know? And especially as an entrepreneur, you know, you feel that like yeah. I feel that local support every day, even though everything I do is virtual, you know, still yes. I feel that local support. So is there anything like kind of from a public health standpoint and also from having, you know, practiced abroad, do you think that enough attention is like being paid to hearing and language services here within healthcare? Is there things that are being adopted like around the world that could be adopted here? I know you mentioned like financing from some of the other provinces, but like anything specific that you think we could be doing a better job of not that we you know Canadian healthcare they're doing the, we're doing their best but yeah. there's improvement um so a few different things come to mind when you ask that question I think one of them being like universal newborn hearing screening we have now implemented that in Saskatchewan having a screening program but you know, that's a relatively new thing. That's not something that's been around forever. Another thing that comes to mind is just the education um, around sudden hearing loss and what that looks like. You know, we have a lot of a lot of our ads are targeted, like don't drink and drive, which which is obviously a very important issue within our province. I'm not negating that by any means. But when I was living in New Zealand, we used to have ads all the time about sudden sensory neural permanent hearing loss. And what do you do if you wake up without any hearing? Wow. You know, that that is something that you need to go to the emergency room for. You need to be treated right away. There's a time window within that. That's something that as from a public health standpoint that we're not really talking about. But not only that, when you think about public health, the amount of of um money that could be saved over time by just, you know, implementing those regular screenings or the funding sources at a younger age, I think would be really great. Um, I think there's lots of room for improvements. There's a report card online for speech and hearing. And unfortunately, Saskatchewan falls near the bottom for that in terms of they rate all the provinces in terms of how they're doing for speech and hearing services and what they're doing from a public public health standpoint I'm going to actually send you it I think you'd find it really fascinating yeah. but um Anywhere. yeah we we definitely have some room for improvement but I also think because we are such a niche we are a niche um industry if you think about it I mean you have to go out of province to study and then sometimes what happens is people stay where those programs are so people will stay in Ontario they'll stay in BC they'll stay out east if they are interested in going to Dalhousie and they just don't come back after or they choose to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I think those of us who are practicing in the province, I think, you know, we all have a positive mindset of what can come in the future. And I, I think it's it's really easy, easy to focus on some of those negatives at times or 
when you have a patient come in and they say, well, I wish there was this, or I wish there was that. It's like, we wish there was too. And, you know, advocacy, we're trying our best, you know, putting our best foot forward. But I think a lot of us are trying to be positive of the situation and, and hope for change in the future. Yeah. Well, advocacy, that's the perfect word for it, right? Like mm-hmm. just you having this conversation, I think that is a great way for people to have it on their radar. And it's funny that it is fringe when it's one of five senses that is very crucial to our quality of life, right? It is. It's kind of like it's swept to the side. So that's amazing. And also I didn't know about the newborn screening that that's just newly implemented. Well, not in like the last few years, but within the last five, I would say five or six. So new-ish. Whereas like this, like when I was practicing in, um, when I was, sorry, studying in North Dakota and I was doing my I don't, I would call it my volunteer hours at the hospital there. Like they had a national database that was very much tracked. So every time a baby was born, that was implemented. And I mean, we've, you know, thanks to Charlotte Douglas in the city um, and, and her work behind that and getting, you know, that program up and going, you know, it's, it's made a big difference and awareness for sure. I think a lot of times before people didn't really think about it, unfortunately, which is too bad. Um, but just awareness, I think is the, is the best thing. And I think a lot of people don't know too, like you can go online to Saskatchewan health and you can look up like the list of private clinics in the city where you could book. You could obviously use Google to find a close clinic in your area. Um, But I think it is important. I think everyone needs an audiologist. So I feel like make, if you're hearing this or listening to this, make it your mission to go get your hearing tested this year or send this to someone who you think would need a hearing test, which in my opinion is everyone. And Warman's taking new patients. Yeah. Warman (laughs) Hearing Clinic is taking new patients. That's right. Uh, okay. I have just like a couple like yeah. audio questions and then we'll wrap it up. But okay. so with people now living longer, mm-hmm. is there a natural deterioration that's kind of prone to happen with hearing with age? Like generally, is that something that's expected with age or is that totally personally dependent? Because I think that is a assumption, maybe yeah. conception. And then also with music and headphones and earbuds is that problem getting worse I think that problem is getting worse and sometimes we are seeing younger patients than we normally would with that noise induced Mm. you know hearing loss due to cranking up those earbuds beyond safe limits for sure I think that is an issue that happens in terms of people aging over time age-related hearing loss or presbycusis is the process of, of hearing loss over the lifespan. But here's the thing. People think, well, as you get older, you get hearing loss. Well, there's things that happen in your lifetime that also contribute to that, right? So medications can cause hearing loss or change. Oh, I did not know Yeah. That. Yeah. So, so that can happen for sure. Medications can influence your hearing. Um, Are you exposed to any loud noises? Are you shooting guns? Are you working in a loud, noisy place? Do you have any health, other health concerns? Um, Because there are other populations that could be at higher risk for hearing loss. Um, Have you had any, you know, if you were born prematurely, any NICU stay, any mumps. There's so many things nowadays that it all can influence your body. And that's why I guess I'm, I'm kind of shocked when people come in for the first time and say, if they are 80 years old and they're like, I've never had my hearing tested. And it's just like, think about your whole body and like, let's think about assessing the entirety of it. I feel like your ears are one of those things that you should want to know what's going on with it. And you know what, if everything comes out normal, great, that's amazing. But then, like I said, then we have a baseline, we can send that to the family physician, they have that on file. And then if something changes, it's easier to understand what the the diagnosis could be, because we have a baseline. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yes, I guess the longer you live, the more opportunity you have for traumas and things Mm -hmm. like that. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Care. And trauma is a good trauma is another example. People don't think that that can impact your hearing. Of course it can. Any head injury, car accidents, like sometimes we do see individuals who come in and they they were in a car accident six years ago, but didn't have a hearing test after the car accident. But now they're just starting to notice some hearing loss. And then they're like, do you think that the car accident could have caused this if it was only on one side or whatever the case may be? It's very hard to make those clinical assumptions essentially without the data after something traumatic like that happens. Right. When so much time had passed. Yes. Now that you're saying, I actually think that I probably got my hearing tested after concussions when I was young, uh, which ironically, I hardly remember. So uh, anyways, maybe it's time for me to come visit you and then I can, we can share what it's like to get a hearing test. And also I can come visit the new space. I am so excited for you. And is there anything look, you're brand new to this venture, but is there anything that you feel like is on the horizon? What's next for you? Because you're finishing your doctorate. So when is Mm -hmm. that going to wrap up or is there a timeline? So my final class is done here in two weeks. I will be in Arizona on June 2nd, walking to celebrate. And then my degree will be conferred in, I guess it'll be July. So that'll be done. And then I told my husband for sure, I'm going to take six months off school. Obviously I have a business. I'm going to be very busy and immerse myself in this. This is my dream. And I'm so blessed. I know that it's such a privilege, honestly, to be able to do this. And I feel very lucky and grateful and I appreciate everyone's support, including yours. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's really next for me. I think just trying to figure it out as it comes, but I always tell people if your gut is telling you something, listen. Yes. Yes. That's a good, I feel like there's an audio Mm -hmm. joke in there that we could make. Um, okay. But you say six months off school. So what is next Mm -hmm. for school? You're not done after this? I, I don't know what's next for me. Oh. Honestly, I don't know. Like I might, just learner. I might just surprise people and go back and do something else. I don't know. Like it's going to be audiology related oh. for sure. I mean, what I do a PhD is that maybe in the future, not in the beginning of entrepreneurship and opening a clinic and all the other things, as you had mentioned, like continuing education in order for us to keep our licenses, we have to do an X amount of hours. And I think more so I just want to dig more into conferences and stuff in the next year. I feel like because of my doctorate, I've had to kind of shelf a couple of those things being like, you know what, I can't take on too much. I can't travel to this conference or that conference. None of them are in Saskatchewan. They're all typically elsewhere. Um, We only have one annual conference here um, and it was virtual this year. So you know, we have to venture out a little bit. So that's my hope for the future is that I can create the time and space to do that. Good for you. Yes, you deserve. I don't even want to call it time off because it's very much not going to be time off. But I'm glad to know that you'll be at least getting to the lake on the weekends and taking that time. So last but not least, so I always ask a few like rapid fire questions to wrap. And I would love to know who is your biggest role model? My biggest role model? You don't have to pick favorites. You can list a few. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I know that this sounds cheesy, but James Clear, Atomic Habits. Favorite book. I My favorite book too. I share it with anyone who's willing to listen. I think my spin classes are sick of me talking about James Clear, but I love James Clear through and through. So I just think he's fabulous. In terms of another role model, I have so many strong women in my life, like women mentors within the industry and outside of the industry, entrepreneurs who've done it, mamas who stay at home with their kids. Like there's so many women who inspire me. I can't even pick one. Yeah. And even within, I mean, just within Saskatoon, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm like a chronic James Clear quoter to the point that last on last week's episode, I was making this quote of like about how bamboo, it takes like six years till it sprouts, not mm-hmm. realizing it was from Atomic Habits until I was on a call with a client this week. And she was like, oh yeah, I just read that in the book. And I'm like, oh, that no doubt that that's where I got it from. That's that tracks. Um, Okay. Best advice you've ever received. Oh my gosh. There's so much great advice. You're making this challenging. 
best advice I've ever received. I think honestly, like be yourself and follow your heart as cheesy as that sounds. I think everyone's superpower is no one is them. Like no one is you. That is your superpower. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit. Yes. Are there many audiologists? Absolutely. Are there people who are older than me with more education and more years of experience? Absolutely. There is, but no one is me. And that's my superpower. Yes. Your your uniqueness. No, none of it sounds cheesy. And I always say like, if something seems cheesy or cliche, it's cliche for a reason because it's so, it's so true. Yeah. Um, Okay. Best book or resource you'd recommend to people. I mean, I feel like. Atomic Habits, James Clear. I cannot recommend it enough. I love, have you listened to it like on Audible? No, only read it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Listen to it on Audible. His voice is not what I expected it to be. Have you ever heard his voice? Do you know what I feel? I'm in like clips, but it does. I can't like think of anything about it right now. So here's the thing about it for me is I have listened to it like four times now, like on repeat. Like I listen to it while I'm driving, while I'm out for a walk, I'm out for a run. And I feel like his voice telling me it, like it gives it more weight. Yeah. Like there's something so magical about the the audio version. So I definitely, that is my favorite resource. Okay. I'm going to listen to it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what's your personal mantra or words you live by? Get off your bullshit. Can I say that on here? You can say whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's so easy for us to get inside of our heads and I think if you just get off your bullshit, like, you know, yourself best, you know, when you need to maybe take a step back or you need to make a change, but you also know when you're like milking it. Do you know what I mean? When you're like, it's like, oh, I'm tired today. Like, I'm not going to go do this because I'm tired. It's like, are you just making an excuse for yourself? Are you trying to talk yourself out of doing something good for you? Or another one that I really like to think about, like, is what I'm doing now is the choice that I'm making aligning with who I want to be in my lifetime. Yeah. Like I always think to be, and I know that's maybe like a little bit self-reflective for some people, but it's like, I'm always trying to look inward to be like, is this actually serving the life that I want to live? And sometimes that means saying no to things, which is totally okay. And I think sometimes people feel like they're failing if they say no, but it's like, there's so much power in saying no. It just means that you're saying yes to something else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, and I feel like in Atomic Habits, he does the, like, what does the best version of me do in this moment? Like, what's the decision? Yes. Yes, brilliant. I love it. Last but not least, most importantly, for everyone who wants to learn more about you, follow you, the business, the clinic, and what's going on, where can they find you? So the best way to find us, Warm and Hearing Clinic, is on Instagram or just on the website. So www.warmandhearingclinic.ca or at Warm and Hearing Clinic. We're both on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to find me personally, you can find me on Instagram at kae. M-F-E-R-G, K-M-Ferg. So you can connect with me that way. And I always tell people, I love to connect and you never know how our paths may cross, whether it's at a spin class, whether you want to come get your hearing tested, or if you just, yeah, want to connect, please reach out to me. Yes. And I'll link everything on my website so people can find you. And yes, if you go get your hearing tested and go for a spin class, if you haven't been, go visit Okay, well, never mind. Uh, and I will let you get back to work. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so feel, much. I feel honored to talk to you, especially this week, and just to be one of, you know, many to congratulate you on such a huge accomplishment. And we are so lucky to have you in our community. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with Kaylin and I. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Sunday. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at KY Wellness. More details about all episodes can be found at kywellness.ca under the podcast tab. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.